0: Listen to NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast on your favorite podcast app today. Trust me, future you will thank you.
1: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra low net carb goodies like rich flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today.
0: You're tuned in to an all new edition of Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett, Brian Scott Rippey coming up in just a little bit, as well as Bradley Sowell, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, longtime NFL offensive lineman, good friend of the program, going to join us on the Modern Women phone line. But before we get to it, let me tell you about my bookie. Winning season has returned at MyBookie, and winning season means doubling your first deposit. Winning season means survivor, super contests, and squares. At MyBookie, winning season means hitting all your parlays and props with your feet up, watching your team trounce their rivals. Rejoice! It's time to celebrate the NFL season. Invest in your intuition. Use promo code TOC, Talk of Champions TOC, and double your first deposit. New players get up to $1,000 in free play designed to add more excitement to the sports you love and the games you bet. From live betting to championship futures, every play you want to make is waiting at MyBookie. It's simple. Make your picks, win big, collect your cash. Use promo code TOC and double your first deposit. Your winning season begins today, only at MyBookie. You're listening to Talk of Champions, an Ole Miss Spirit podcast with Ben Garrett. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit. Bit on Twitter. He's Brian Scott Rippy at BS Rippy. We both write for the Old Miss Spirit. ohmspirit.com, An affiliate of 247 Sports. If you haven't already subscribed, rate review Talk of Champions on iTunes. And when you do, leave a five star review. I do not care what you write as long as that review is five stars. Also available in SoundCloud and Spotify. Just simply search Talk of Champions. Today's guest coming to you on the Modern Woman phone line former Ole Miss offensive lineman. Long-time NFL offensive lineman, good friend of the program. Spradley. So, Just a little bit, but Rippy, what's up, man? How you doing?
2: Pretty good, man. Pretty good. Uh, just hanging out here. Not a whole lot really going on on my end, really, other than dealing with Wi-Fi issues, uh, getting that set up with AT&T, whose customer service is real spick and spam. Shout-out to AT&T.
0: I've got absolutely nothing but love for you. If anyone was less equipped to start dealing with with adult problems to have to start being an adult it was you so to hear you having to battle AT&T it's hilarious
2: this is not my first rodeo with AT&T it's like the needle I can't put down because every time my big dumb brain is just like I need cable I need wi-fi what's the thing I had last time oh AT&T direct tv boom book it and then I go through this whole charade of customer service and them sending me the wrong dates for installation. To Today, they just sent me a shitload of equipment to plug in myself after telling me they were going to have someone install it. So that didn't work. But uh, yeah, this, uh, this adulting thing is basically just crotch shot after crotch shot. So I'm taking it in stride.
0: Adult Rippy is never going to be a thing that my brain can accept. So best of luck to you. Godspeed. I hope it works out. Just know that your friend Ben is on the other end, well actually a few states over now, laughing hysterically every time you tell him about one of the miserable day to day things that come with adulting.
2: <laughs> like my boss in the corporate America, just people telling, yeah. assigning me things I'm completely un- underqualified to do. Yeah, it's been great, dude. I appreciate it, though. Yeah. Um, I'll just start calling you for advice.
0: Yeah, let me know how those TPS reports are going for you. Ole Miss Football. Yeah. In this third week of practices what do we know about Ole Miss football right now what do we actually know in the mailbag we talked about a lot of Ole Miss football on Tuesday but we didn't really specify what we knew what we actually know so if you had to start there identifying things we absolutely know about Ole Miss football understanding in this conversation that one we haven't gotten to see a single practice And two, we're going by conversations via Zoom with Lane Kiffin and players over the last three weeks. We can only go by the words that they say. But we do have sourcing. You do hear some things. So I'll let you start it off. What do we absolutely know right now about Ole Miss football?
2: There's a slight edge in the quarterback competition that Matt Corral seems to be leading slightly. That's pretty much, that to me seems the most concrete thing.
0: And there's been a little bit more discussion about John Rice Plumlee lately. And I was talking to someone earlier on Wednesday about this whole deal. When John Rice signed with Ole Miss, it was because he wanted to play quarterback. But Ole Miss also had visions of him potentially being a slot wide receiver. I never have bought into the potential idea of John Rice Plumlee being a slot receiver. But Ole Miss was always, the previous staff I'm talking about, was always going to give John Rice the opportunity to be a quarterback because he's always believed himself to be a quarterback. But they understood if that didn't work out, he could be a slot wide receiver. I don't know if I buy that. Every other school was recruiting him to be a safety. Now it gives a little bit more validity to the potential of John Rice switching positions should he lose out to Matt Crow in this quarterback battle. Matt Corral, however, lost the quarterback battle because he got hurt, and it was more than that. He was clear to play against Alabama last year, and he didn't want to do it. He just refused to play. He refused to go out there. I guess he thought, let John Rice Plumley go out there. He can get pummeled. Ole Miss is going to get the crap beat out of by Alabama. Anyway, let him get pummeled. I'll come back the next week. John Rice went out there played pretty dang well and he won over the team while Matt Corral kind of lost it. And that's why when you hear Lane and Matt Corral, when we talk to him, different people, you hear them say Matt Corral's learned how to work. So if Matt Corral has taken that step, and I guess that's maturity, we already knew he's a good passer. And if Lane kiff is looking for and valuing a passer, makes sense why he would be leading. But yes, he is leading in that. I I, I went on a tangent there, but It goes back to the original point. Yeah, Matt Corral's leading. We know that. That's some background for you. That's some stuff that I just learned on Wednesday, and I thought it was interesting.
2: I finally snapped. I've gotten on Twitter less and less. I say snapped. This wasn't malicious by any means, but I don't know if you saw this yesterday. I finally just decided to engage on Twitter other than tweeting out our podcast links. But, like, I saw a video from Barrett Salih, who I'm not picking on him. He seems like a nice guy. I've only met him once very quickly in passing at SEC Media Days in Hoover, he wouldn't remember who I am. Not going to pretend like I know the guy at all. But, like, he listed Ole Miss as one of his underrated teams, maybe the most underrated team in the SEC, which given what they have coming back on offense and all that, I can get behind. But he listed it basically because of one of the most dynamic playmakers in the country, and Jerrion Ealy with John Rice Plumley playing quarterback alongside him. I think he called Plumley one of the more dynamic playmakers in the SEC Uh, as well. Either way, uh, it's like, I'm not picking on Salih, but like that just was like, doesn't this kind of storylines expose like what national guys like kind of have sourcing and check in with programs and which ones are kind of just blowing smoke. Like, and I'm not picking on Salih because he is far from the only one that have done this, but like the disconnect locally versus nationally on what's actually happening at quarterback for Ole Miss is astonishing to me. And I think it just kind of underscores sometimes the maybe, that some of the notions that they don't actually know a lot or actually keep up with a ton are true because there's just no way if you've read about anything pertaining to the Ole Miss quarterback situation in fall camp or really for the last eight months you could arrive at that conclusion. Is that fair? Yeah, it's
0: probably fair. But to play devil's advocate, if you're a national media member, you have to cover every single program from a very general point of view. So, yes, of course, they're going to cite John Rice Plumley as the quarterback because from their vantage point, it's obvious that that should be the quarterback. It's hard then for me to disagree with them. If I was covering college football like a Barrett covers college football, and I know Barrett really well. Barrett's a really good dude. He worked with me at V Sporto for a long time. V Sporto is long gone, and Barrett was always great to me, and I, I like Barrett a lot. But they see not the everyday competition or they don't see the practices. They just okay, see what John Rice Plumley did in games. They see that. But did they, and they see say, him get
2: benched to end the year?
0: Yeah. But they also see what he did against LSU. They see what he did against Alabama and they saw him do it as a true freshman and they think any coach worth his salt would be able to take that kind of talent, which they deem as a generational talent, and go win. And that's where they're making the predictions off of. They see John Rice Plumley as Nick Marshall. Who went to a national championship game with Auburn, and if John Rice Plumley left today, do you know who would be itching to sign him up, to scoop him up? Gus Malzahn. So let's not pretend oh, I was like
2: go Dan Mullen.
0: Definitely Dan Mullen. So let's not pretend like if John Rice Plumley lost out to Matt Corral, that he would go easily into the night and decide, you know what, I'm here for the long haul. Move me to slot receiver. Move me to defensive back to safety. A lot of schools recruited him to be a safety. If he was going to be anything other than a quarterback, he was going to go to Georgia. But Ole Miss offered him the the chance to play quarterback. And that's why he ended up at Ole Miss. And he's going to continue to pursue the starting quarterback position at Ole Miss until he's told, you are not the quarterback. And then when that moment comes, if it comes, we know that Matt Corral is leading this quarterback battle right now. If it comes... John Rice Plumley is going to have options. So you need to come to grips if you're an Ole Miss fan with the idea that if John Rice Plumley isn't the starting quarterback, and if Matt Crow performs well and is the starter for all ten games, which is a big ask. We don't know if he can do that. Who's to say John Rice doesn't come in? I look at John Rice a lot like I look at Bo Wallace. Bo Wallace was not a good practice quarterback. You put him in a game, Bo was the best kind of gamer. He went out there and he did things that he just couldn't do in practice. Consistently, at least. Johnny Manziel, and I'm not comparing John Rice Plumlee to Johnny Manziel, but he was in a similar situation. He wasn't a good practice player. He became the starting quarterback and generational talent at Texas A&M because of what he did in games. He was a bad practice player. And I'm not saying John Rice is a bad practice player. I don't think he's necessarily a bad anything. I don't think he's the passer that Matt Corral is. And all Lane Kiffin sees, I'm assuming, we haven't been to practice, in this offense is the more accomplished passer. If that moment comes, John Rice Plumley will have options. And he won't be at Ole Miss next year. If Matt Corral is successful, honestly, you should just root for that. Shouldn't you? Not for John Rice Plumley to transfer, but for a quarterback, one of these two guys, to take this job and run with it. Because in the end, that's what you want. That's what means success for Ole Miss on the field long-term. One of these guys taking the job and running with it. And right now, we know Matt Corral is leading and taking that job. Will it last? We don't know. I do know this right now about Ole Miss football. This defense is behind this offense, and it's too easy right now. Too easy for the offense in practice against this defense. I was told... Every three plays Ole Miss offensively is breaking a really big play, like a 40-yard bomb to a wide-open wide receiver. This defense is not good right now. But reinforcements could be on the way. Chuck Ronswell, the Ole Miss Spirit, our publisher at the Ole Miss Spirit, reported on Wednesday Sam Williams could be nearing a return to Ole Miss football. You know the story with Sam suspended indefinitely after a sexual battery charge. I've heard he's going to get cleared. And if he does get cleared, that's a huge huge boost for a defensive line that absolutely needs him. Because right now, I know in practices and it's first-hand accounts, so that's how I know it, it's too easy for this offense.
2: Sure, you've seen what did. I mean, I keep going back to the same example and like I don't think they're going to be as bad, but like as many problems as the 2018 defense had, the main problem that they had, the main one that I, I would say led to all the other issues, is the fact that they couldn't generate a pass rush, particularly from the exterior. And so other teams just sat back and picked them apart. And I feel like that's like the the gateway issue that leads to other issues because you have corners who aren't that good. And I'm not talking about this team per se, just 18, you know, covering guys for much longer than they normally have to do. And then it just puts the linebackers in an almost untenable situation when it comes to the pass defense. So I believe that. I believe that that it's too easy for the offense. You have to be able to get pressure on the quarterback. The one game, for whatever reason, that sticks out to me from 18, is you remember when Kellen Mond, who didn't even play that well in that game, just kind of had 12 seconds, 15 seconds, it seemed like. I know I'm exaggerating, per pass, to just pick them apart. Um, in that game in College Station that Ole Miss almost won in 18. Yeah. Like That was just the most excruciating game to watch. And I feel like it, Ole Miss could have similar issues in that regard this year. Again, don't think it's going to be that bad. But if you can't get pressure on the quarterback, it, it brings to light a lot of other issues that you might could cover up if you have guys getting after them.
0: Here's what Chuck reported on Wednesday. We contacted Sam's attorney, Chuck did, and he stated – He was, quote, in no position to comment at this time and gave no specific timetable when he could, but he believes the grand jury session will adjourn later this week and he can comment then. Then he went on to report essentially that some good news could soon be coming for Sam Williams. I can pretty much guarantee you that good news is coming. Sam Williams is going to return to Ole Miss football. And I know right now this defensive line is in rough shape. It's in rough, rough shape. It's just too easy right now. And it's unfortunate because I think Ole Miss has its best set of linebackers in quite some time. They're deep. Lakia Henry, Momo, Jacquez Jones. Ashanti Seastrunk is apparently doing some good things. But here's the number one. If Sam Williams is back, which we expect at this point, and he's ready to play for Florida, and he's the Sam Williams that he was towards the end of the year when he was just balling out. That actually makes you not only better as a first-team unit, obviously, but man, what does it do for emerging guys like Brandon Mack, Demond Clowney, Ladarius Cox? Basically, knocks everybody down a peg, kind of where they belong. Doesn't that make sense?
2: Like they're playing. Sure. Yeah. And, and with that, it's less pressure. It's less pressure and fewer snaps. You would think, to some degree. Tavis Robinson
0: you, if, then doesn't have to feel like, man, I've got to be, as a newcomer from Canada, experiencing SEC football for the very first time, I've got to be our dominant pass rusher. No, he can be a situational guy. Not everything falls on him. Brandon Mack, you don't have to be an absolute breakout star in order for Ole Miss to be competent. It does, at the end of the day, come back to the back end, though, doesn't it? It comes back to, for example, we talked about John Haynes. I put up two photo galleries this week. Both came courtesy, those photos, I mean, of Josh McCoy, my good friend of Ole Miss Athletics. He was out of practice. He took the pictures. And I saw a red jersey, number five. I went, wait, wait, wait. It was like, where's Waldo? There's John Haynes. There he is. Come to find out, John Haynes was one of those COVID guys in the secondary. The COVID stuff has absolutely shredded the secondary. That's the position group that's really been hit hard. I actually wrote a story about it. Mark Britt was a wide receiver and performing well. Freshman, true freshman, four-star, according to 247 Sports. They love Mark Britt. He was performing well at wide receiver, and they sat him down and said, look, man, we need you to go to defense because he played safety in high school. And so the next day after that meeting, he's in the starting lineup because that defensive backfield would hit so hard. John Haynes, God, he has to be good. Jalen Jones, God, he has to be good. Keydron Smith. One of A.J. Finley, J. Stanley, step up. Mark Britt's playing well, but if you're going to have a defense that can actually put up some resistance and not be, like I heard, too easy for an offense, the Ole Miss offense in practices, and then on into games, your veterans have to perform like veterans. You have to carry the load.
2: Well, yeah, exactly, and to underscore your point, it comes down around snap counts, right? Like, and It's not specifically tethered to this but when you're talking about a newcomer in demon Clowney or a guy that really hasn't just done it yet in brandon mack relying on them to 15 to 25 snaps per game versus 35 to 45 is a hell of a difference is it not oh it makes all the difference in the world for guys like that
0: demon Clowney is a situational guy he needs limited snaps to be effective i've heard in practices he's shown great pass rush potential but he's getting blown up in the run game. As would be expected of a kid, if you look at him, I think he's listed at like 235 or something. I don't know if he's 235. You look at him, he's a skinny kid. Well put together, and you can tell he's going to fill out. But it was like Kentrell Lockett when Kentrell Lockett got here. It took Kentrell a full year to put on the weight, and then he was still putting on more weight throughout his career to get to where he was before he got hurt, and that was an early round draft pick. And then his career got derailed after he got hurt should have left early, like many people, including myself, were telling him to do. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it just it changes the whole game to have Sam Williams back. So that's a big, big, big development for Ole Miss football because defensively, it has been bad in practice. And, see, that's the thing that comes back to the quarterback battle, if you think about it. Matt Corral having the success he's had passing the ball, what has he really gone up against defensively? If it's really been that bad – Is that a good gauge for what he's going to be in games? Because you know John Rice, regardless of whether or not he's completing passes with any type of consistency, he's going to move the ball. What are you really seeing in practice? That's my question. And that's what I want to ask Lane Kiffin the next time we talk to him. If Matt Corral is leading the way, and that's what every one of us is hearing, is that more of Matt Corral is just playing well? Which is, of course, part of it. And he's better as a passer than John Rice Plum. We both know that. Everybody knows that. But is it because defensively, what have they got? The secondary has been destroyed because of injury and COVID. You haven't had Sam Williams. There's no pass rush to speak of right now. Defensive tackle, you've got 275 Ryder Anderson. I've heard Hal Northern is getting first-team reps. No disrespect to There's Hal Northern. There's
2: a blast in the past. Have you heard a Sincere David mention? That would complete the bingo card.
0: That's what I'm saying. No disrespect to Howard Northern, but if that's happening, jeez. There's and no push. Is-
2: there's no push. So, I mean, how do we
0: know? I mean, Matt Curl, of course, is going to look better than John Rice Plumley in the 7-on-7, effectively, if there's nothing getting in his face. I mean, he's a better passer. And but John kind of- Rice Plumley, when the bullets are flying, he's a gamer. So, that's my whole thing. We want to talk about moving John Rice and all this stuff. Wait till the games happen. It's an SEC game every single week. And Lane Kiffin, he's going to go with the guy that's going to win games. Somebody asked me that about how, uh, I think it was on the message board, about how Lane Kiffin could be going with like a Matt Corral, for example, because of how he's going to recruit down the line. How he wants to showcase a Matt Corral for not just, of course, Arch Manning, but that cop kid that they're recruiting. They fit a particular mold. They all look like Matt Corral. And my answer was... Lane Kiffin's going to go with the guy that can win games.
2: Yeah, so I'd like to hit on a few points you just said there, because we talked about how we think the offensive line is going to be fine. I don't necessarily disagree, but doesn't it make it harder to gauge that in terms of what they're going up against?
0: Yeah, probably. Jeremy James, though, is dominating. pass protection. Yeah, but like Jeremy James is dominating Ryder Anderson.
2: Also true. I mean, at the, at the bottom line, as much as we complicate this and all the, the things we touched on are true, the bottom line is you're getting your best pass rusher back who's a legitimate NFL prospect. That's oh, going to yeah. help everyone out, yeah. and the trickle-down effect is going to be immense.
0: We'll get right back to Brian Scott Rippy in this edition of Talk of Champions after I tell you briefly about Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford and Cheney's Pharmacy, two proud sponsors of Talk of Champions. We're all doing whatever we can to survive quarantine, right? It can be tough. We're making purchases to keep our sanity, to keep us happy. Maybe you're going on Amazon, hit an add to cart, purchase. Maybe, just maybe, you're in the market for a new car. And if you are, I know the place you should go. The only place you should go. And that's Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. From new and used sales to parts and service, Alan Samuels of Oxford aims to provide a truly stellar automotive experience. But what separates Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford from every other dealership is Alan Samuels aims to address each of your needs with the utmost respect, care, and attention to detail. Most everyone who's listened to this podcast should know by now I only vouch for sponsors I truly believe in. If I myself have not had a personal experience with any sponsor, they're not going to be on this podcast. And my longest relationship is with Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. Why? Because I can't say enough good things about Brian and Mason and the rest of the team. I don't like to haggle. I don't like to negotiate. I don't like the whole process of buying a car. With Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford, you can avoid all of that. They're looking out for you. So give them a call today, 662-234-8000. You can stop by and see them at 2201 East University Avenue. That's just past Kroger. Alan Samuels Chrysler Dodge Jeep Ram of Oxford. The only place to find your perfect car, truck, or Jeep. Alan Samuels, let's be friends. Self-isolation, quarantine has brought about its own set of problems. Don't let your pharmacy be one of them. Cheney's Pharmacy, they've earned your trust. You can count on them. Cheney's Pharmacy offers prescription synchronization, immunizations, compounding, a two-lane drive-through, and available hours that ensure your needs are met on your own time. Cheney's also accepts all third-party insurance. It's a locally owned pharmacy that has been in Oxford over 40 years. Cheney's Pharmacy provides the best customer service out there, hands down. Give Chaney's a call, 662-234-7221, or go visit them at 501 Bramlett Boulevard. That's right off of University Avenue. They're open 9 a.m. to 9 p.m. Monday through Saturday, 1 p.m. to 9 p.m. on Sundays. You can find them online at Chaney'sPharmacy.com. We've all got our own set of problems. Don't let your pharmacy be one of them. Chaney's Pharmacy, much more than just a pharmacy. Point being, he's going to go with the guy that wins him games. And Matt Corral could look like a million bucks in practice right now because he's a better passer and this defense isn't very good. It's going to get better, assuming that the COVID stuff resolves itself in time for Florida and Sam Williams is back in game shape in time for Florida. When the live bullets fly, what does Matt Corral look like? What does he look like? Is he still that guy that shines? Because, look, if they stagnate in their first three drives against Florida – you honestly think Lane Kiffin won't immediately pivot and go to John Rice Pumley?
2: And but John Rice Plumley is—he's
0: a, a gamer. Why? Why?
2: Because I just don't think. I, I say have to. I say have to. That's a little strong. But to, at the same time, you're talking about a quarterback who has three career starts. Three. But here's what I'm saying: you're, you're against not, one SEC team.
0: But you're not getting what I'm saying. If Ole Miss is down seventeen to nothing, and they've gone three and out. They got two first downs, and then they went three and out again. And you're looking for a spark. You're looking to score points. I mean, at the end of the day, winning is the name of the game. You really think? Really think? You just keep rolling with Matt Corral when it's not working? I'm not saying that you're just abandoning Matt Corral as a long-term quarterback after three drives. I'm just saying game to game. If John Rice gets inserted into a game and starts doing what he does as a runner, and who's to say he's in a better – Like, in the last scrimmage, he was 10 of 18 for, I think it was 140 yards. That's not bad. And when you add 100 yards on the ground, but also the same thing that I'm talking about with Matt, I'm talking about with John Rice Plumley. how much can you put that into the defense he's facing right now because it's too easy for the Ole Miss offense. Anyway, I just think John Rice is a gamer, and I think that Lane Kiffin will go with the guy that can win games. So if you're Matt Corral, it'll be um, imperative that you go Oof. show signs. I, maybe he gets the full first game, doesn't have to worry about anything. But Ole Miss, Lane Kiffin is not going to allow his debut at home as Ole Miss head coach against Florida to be a 31-7 to loss. A 31-14 to loss. If nothing else, he's going to put up points. This guy is a prideful offensive coach. Make no mistake. He's a damn good offensive coach. And he is not going to allow his first impression to be 31 to 14, 31 to 17. Who knows? Matt Crow might go in there and he just lights up the scoreboard. I don't even care who wins the quarterback battle at this point. I don't care because I don't I, think it's going to be settled.
2: I don't, uh, I don't disagree with you at all. I just was hitting at it from the point where we talked about how when they do go with it, God, decisiveness is important. Because let's just say that does happen, and they're down 14 or 17 nothing. The offense isn't doing anything. What if you throw Plumlee in and he sucks too? Aren't you kind of in the same situation you were in last year? And it's kind of like, oh, here we go again. Yeah. I just, I, I don't even disagree with you. I'm more just fascinated to see how you play it because it is a de- delicate thread to weave. And then the other thing that I didn't hit on a second ago is the whole Arch Manning thing. Is that actually a storyline? Because I just don't <laughs> oh, no. think a current SEC head coach. <laughs> is going to base their recruiting model off a kid that may... Does he have a driver's license yet, or is he still backseating it to school? No, like, I think, does he, I he think drive? he's there. I think he's there. Okay. Yeah. I just don't think you... I don't think you make current quarterback decisions based on... He's definitely got his permit.
0: He, he's definitely got his permit.
2: That's huh. sweet. He's probably taking dips under the bleachers <laughs> with his buddies. But anyway... <laughs> the, anyway, point being, I think you're dead on in the sense that he's going to be... He's going to pick the guy that... Uh, that wins him the most games. Real quick, though, as we wrap that one up, I don't want to like commandeer the control of this podcast. But uh, it, we have a listener check in. I don't know if you saw this on Twitter. We were talking about Raven Cotton. Did you see this from the other day? Oh, I did. Yeah. Yeah. So the uh, one of the listeners said that they had they had a health class, health and nutrition class with him. That one of his coaches, who I'm assuming was a GA, took alongside him. That Raymond Cotton was in the class never ceased to show up 15 minutes late, even with his coach in the class, and then just was never heard from again. And then we had a second one where listener Mickey Ventoni, who had a lot of very nice things to say about you and I and the podcast, said he's a regular listener, oh, nice. um, was wondering if he thinks Lane Kiffin will bring back the turnover belt and the uh, turnover chain at NWO belt. Do you have any insight on that?
0: I have no insight on that. Probably not.
2: They'll yeah, do their I own just wonder thing. if that's a fad that's run its course, or they'll just bring their own thing. They'll but, do their uh, own thing. Yep. Yeah, shout out to Mickey, he's a regular listener. He said he loves the podcast. He was uh, one of the few interactions on Twitter where people are actually nice.
0: I don't think we've answered any real questions about any of this today. My goal <laughs> coming into this podcast: what do we know? And I don't, I don't, I don't. I know we know the back linebacking
2: core will be yeah. good.
0: Yeah, we know that. We know that Sam Williams getting cleared. He's the guy that coming into the year, if you polled Ole Miss fans and said, who can Ole Miss absolutely, on either side of the ball, absolutely not lose? Sam Williams. So getting him back, that's a big deal. We know that the secondary (laughs) is going to be a work in progress until the COVID stuff resolves itself. We know that the offensive line, I think, is better off than any of us anticipated. I'm not just blowing smoke. People know me at this point. I'm not a homer if I think stuff sucks I'll say it sucks I think this offensive line is going to be sneaky really good I think Ben Brown is an NFL caliber center Bradley Sal is going to talk about that in just a little bit Um, I think Royce Newman is going to have a long NFL career might be a lot like Brad's to where he might not start but I think he'll be in the league for eight years always on a roster because he can play every single position outside of center on an offensive line that has value and then Nick Broker I think he's an absolute stud but Jeremy James he's good Carter Colquitt, he's good. Caleb Warren, he's good. Reese McIntyre is a guy. We were at, we were talking about depth the other day on the mailbag. Reese McIntyre, he's actually playing pretty well. Jalen Cunningham, there's more than that, too. Eli Acker is a freshman that, yeah, he's got to fill out, but he's going to be good. So I think there's a little bit better depth. It's young, but I think there's a little bit better depth than we even gave him credit for. So that's something I think we know. And I think we know Henry Parrish is going to have a role in this offense. I think we know that. Jerry on Ely, he's a stud. Snoop Connor. I think they're struggling a little bit trying to figure out how to get snaps, enough snaps for a guy like Snoop Connor, which is crazy to me. I don't know.
2: Isn't he? Uh, isn't he kind of last year's? And I know I think he's more talented. You can just kind of look at it from the build. But if you remember in eighteen, when Scotty Phillips tweaked an ankle in the last two games, yeah. and granted as dreadful as they were. Isaiah Woolard was actually a fairly serviceable SEC back when he tweaked his ankle in that uh, Texas A&M game, he being Scotty Phillips. And then Snoop Connor comes along, and Woolard's kind of the odd man out. Do you think Connor kind of becomes the Isaiah Willard of last year because of Henry Parrish? <laughs>
0: That's a really good question. I think Snoop's I mean, it, Does that. it make I, sense think, I think, think Snoop's, though? Like Snoop's better than that. I, I think Snoop's better than that. I think he's so much better than that. I think Snoop. Snoop's the kind of signee that Hugh Freeze would never, ever, ever do. Snoop Conner's like, and I'm not saying he's Daryl Henderson, but he's kind of like that. Unheralded, wanted to be at Ole Miss, got real skills. Look at, um, what's that kid? God, Memphis kid, running back. He just opted out. Kenny Gainwell? Yeah. Desperately wanted to be at Gainwell. Ole Miss. Desperately wanted to be at Ole Miss. Those are the kind of guys that Hugh Freeze wouldn't
2: take. And you would know just as good or better than I would, but that was a guy, Snoop, was a guy that the recruiting staff had a real chip yeah. on their shoulder about in terms of they really kind Derek of Nicks. didn't like the heat of not taking him. No, like Derek of people Nicks. saying they shouldn't have taken him.
0: Derek Nix wanted him. And I think he was a uh, last month addition, but he, he has real talent. I think he's better than that. I'm fascinated to see how they deviate. Just not just carries, but touches in general. Like Elijah Moore, Jonathan Mingo. I mean, you're not gonna prioritize Demarcus Gregory, but Dennis Jackson. Dennis Jackson has consistently showed up. You know those graphics that Lane Kiffin tweets out every single day about speed numbers? Dennis Jackson's always up there. I didn't know Dennis Jackson was that fast. There are, I think, untapped playmakers on this team, and that goes back to last year with Rich Rod, and you and I have talked enough about that. I don't want to exhaust that anymore. This whole quarterback battle, I don't i don't know if I'm not just kind of tired of it. Does it really matter? Does it really matter who's the starter? At the end of the day, somebody in a game is going to take over. And we thought that John Rice did that, but a new coaching staff changes the game. Put Matt Corral and John Rice Plumlee back on an even playing field. Because John Rice Plumlee liked the story I told earlier about... Matt Corral in the Alabama game last year. I think Matt Corral has come so far as far as his maturity, and that's really helped him not just the coaching change and being on even ground, but also recommitting himself and committing himself in every area to be a good quarterback. Maturity off the field. Attitude. Understanding that your teammates are looking to you to lead and to perform not just on the field, but in every aspect of your career at Ole Miss. I think that's as important, if not more important, for Matt Crowd doing what he's doing than anything else. But John Rice Plumley, he's a gamer. He reminds me of Bo Wallace in that respect. Doesn't have to be a good practice player. John Rice Plumley, he has the love of his teammates. He won them over. And if he goes into a game and he performs, who's to say he doesn't win over Lane Kiffin if Matt Crow doesn't if he is the starter, perform. Lane Kiffin is not going to sit on that sideline and accept an offense that isn't moving. So it's indicative on Matt Corral, if he is the starter, move the offense. Because if you don't, you don't want to let John Rice Plumlee get into a game. I think everybody has seen that enough. If he gets into a game, we know what he can do. Whoever it is, I hope that they take the reins and absolutely run with it. And Ole Miss has their starting quarterback that they can build around, all that stuff. If John Rice Plumley isn't that guy, he's going to have options. So all this discussion about moving positions, we need to stop talking about it. He wants to be a starting quarterback. He wants to be the quarterback at Ole Miss. That's why he came here. He is not going to move to another position at any point before that Florida game. He is pursuing the quarterback job, the starting quarterback job at Ole Miss. And even after that, there's no guarantee that he switches to slot receiver or safety. He's not going to be a cornerback. Somebody asked me that. Ben, does he have the skills to be a cornerback? No, no. He doesn't have the height. He doesn't have the ball skills. He doesn't have the flip the hips, which is effectively getting in and out of breaks and being able to play the ball. He he doesn't have that. He's not a cornerback. He could be a safety. But he was recruited as a safety by pretty much every other school that was recruiting. They weren't going to give him the opportunity to play a quarterback. And how does baseball play into it? I don't know. But if he did not win the job, don't just expect to see John Rice slide over somewhere else. I think that, uh, like Dan Mullen, that's a really good fit. Gus Malzahn, he'd see the next Nick Marshall. Nick Marshall led Auburn to a national championship game. There's your disconnect when you're talking about the national media and the local media. I think sometimes we get swept up as local media in what's happening every day in practice that we forget that the ultimate decider of everything is when those lights come on, how do you perform in a game? But here's one thing too about Matt Corral now. He improvised way too much when he was in games. He was audibly out of stuff, hot routing stuff, treating effectively the offense. I know this for a fact. Sourcing is impeccable in this. Effectively treating it like his own Madden game. <laughs> He's out there just calling his own plays and stuff. It worked against Mississippi State for the 26, whatever the hell it was.
2: The only pushback I would offer is I think it's some degree is the media is if you're an active media member and you cover college football, you should probably go a link further than the meathead fan because every meathead fan watched Ole Miss play LSU and was like, wow, this kid's fast. But they didn't watch them play, you know, Missouri at 730 on an October Saturday night where the offense was just an atrocity or Auburn or, you know, him getting benched the next week or week and a half later in the Egg Bowl. I just think they should do – I mean, I don't know. I think there's a level of homework that should be done. But, no, you're not wrong. We also – we very much do get caught up in the m- minutiae of it all. But at this point, man, you're two weeks into a battle where every word out of camp is that Matt Corral has the lead and you're still going on national television yeah. saying, you know, Heisman contender potentially. He didn't go that far, but you get what I'm saying.
0: <laughs> hey, there are some odds out there for John Rice Plumey as a sneaky or what is it, a sleeper pick for the Heisman. So. He's not gonna win the Heisman, but yeah, that was more of a joke. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter. He's Brian Scott Rippy at BS Rippy. Gonna go now to the modern women phone line to speak to Bradley Sal, former Ole Miss Offensive lineman, longtime NFL offensive lineman, good friend of the program. Gonna say bye to Rippy first. Bye, buddy.
2: As Houston I would say, Bradley South. <laughs>
0: you haven't already subscribed if you talk with Champions on iTunes and when you do leave a five star review doesn't matter what you say just make sure it's five stars also available in SoundCloud and Spotify just simply search Talk for Champions Rippy and I both work for the Spirit. Omenspirit.com and affiliate of 247 Sports gonna go now to the Modern Women phone line it's Bradley Sow after this brief word from b B&A and Bank and Modern Women. Are you tired of working 9 to 5 for 40 hours every week just to make money for someone else? Well, our sponsor of the Talk of Champions phone line is Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, and he's looking to hire new financial representatives here in Mississippi. No background experience is necessary, but you do have to be a resident of Mississippi. And what he's looking for is someone who is highly self-motivated and who wants to make a difference in the lives of others. A full-time position comes with benefits such as health insurance, a matching 401k, and a pension plan. For more information, feel free to reach out to Thomas personally. You can find him on Facebook or his number is 662-296-0186. That's 662-296-0186. That's Thomas Chandler of Modern Woodman, a proud sponsor of Talk of Champions.
1: The Modern Woodman phone line. Call. Cool. We'll talk. No big whoop. No big whoop.
0: Where the best Ole Miss guests from far and wide drop in to talk the very latest in rebel sports. Modern Woodman. Let's make a difference together. This is Talk of Champions. I'm Ben Garrett at Spirit Ben on Twitter, going now to the Modern Woodman phone line to speak to former Ole Miss offensive lineman, longtime NFL offensive lineman, sometimes tight end. It's Bradley Sal. Good friend of the program. Hey, buddy.
1: Hey, Ben. How's it going? Appreciate you having me in, man. What you up to these days, man? Not much, dude. Just sitting here and, you know, we, we ended up moving to Oxford about a year ago and, and getting ready for retirement and um, you know, I think that um, the time has come where I'm, you know, getting pretty close to that and um, you know, end up you know, kind of unofficially retiring not too long ago and get into business with my with my, one of my good friends, Colby Arsena, who played at Ole Miss. I've been my lifelong you know, best friends since, since I met him here and, you know, been working with him and just kind of chilling in Oxford working out just in case, but um, yeah, I'm pretty comfortable where I'm at now. So, so our family's enjoying it.
0: I love the different perspectives about Colby Arsenault. For Ole Miss fans, he'll always be the guy that was supposed to get Joe McKnight, God rest his soul. And for you, it's just a friend, long time friend.
1: Yeah. Well, people don't realize about Colby as obviously they thought that, you know, he was, he was here because Joe McKnight, but he was actually a, a Probably one of the most advanced freshmen that year, and, and I tell people all the time I know he he was shorter or whatever, you know, but but the man actually got to play on special teams that people don't remember a lot quicker than most other high recruits, and he was um, he had great leadership in that class and could absolutely light guys up. so he was he was your classic, was going to be a special teams captain forever had he stayed, but yeah he 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 doesn't get the respect he deserved when he was here, and if you ask anybody about him he was he was light people up from from the jump.
0: Well, I know that you got a lot going on, but you sent me a picture the other day. It was of the basketball court that you have built at your house, and it's got an old Miss court. How did that come
1: about? Well, it's like like I said, um, you know, we moved here and a year ago, you know, knowing that retirement was going to be sometime soon. With everything that's went on with uh, with the uh, you know the virus and all that, you know, this is. Maybe maybe my retirement came a little earlier than I thought, but we we wanted to set this house up in Oxford, where um, you know our, our family could stay for a long time and and I have four kids with um, with two little boys that'll be you know coming up so yeah, we put an old sport court in the backyard, and um you know means a lot to us, means a lot to the family we're all we're all in at old miss we always have been, so um yeah i mean they'll they'll have something to play with with their friends for years to come, and I'm excited about it so that's for the kids, the golf simulators for you. Correct. That's that's for me and and um and my, my night my night golf games when all the kids are in bed. But yeah, hopefully my girls will. They've been out there hitting on it, trying to take a few lessons on it. So hopefully they'll be they'll be my little golf course. How far have you hit a drive on that simulator? You know what? I actually, I'm not that long on there, man. I mean, they um yeah, it's it, it humbles me a little bit. I actually think I'm longer out on the course, which is which is what everybody thinks. But yeah, you get on that simulator and it gives you your real numbers. You get a little bit of humble, so I, I, I'm not as long as I, I would think I would be.
0: The other day, I talked about it on Tuesday. The other day, probably going to be my last round of golf this season. Birdie, nine to finish, and I had my four-year-old with me, and I'm celebrating, and you played golf with me. I'm not very good. I celebrated that <laughs> like I won the Super Bowl, but no one was there to celebrate it. It's not the same with a four-year-old as it would be with like you, for example, if we played again.
1: It it never fails. Every time you play golf with a kid, you you literally will birdie 10, 10 yeah. holes in a row. It's yeah, not even exaggerating. And, then and you go to play with your buddies, and you don't even you barely par a hole. So yeah, yeah. That's, that's golf for you.
0: Ole Miss football is in its third week of fall camp practices, and we know a couple of things right now. We think based on conversations with Lane Kiffin with coaches. From your perspective, Ben Brown's at center, Royce Newman's at right tackle, Nick Brokers at left tackle. They're starting two new guards, be it Jalen Cunningham, Jeremy James, you name it. For an offensive line that's breaking in two guys, because I've said it, that guard is probably the spot where you want to break in new players. That's the easiest place on the offensive line if you've got talented veterans beside them. So for Ole Miss, if it's breaking in two redshirt freshman guards, how do you have success immediately? How does that translate? How do you make sure that from day one you're not a weak link?
1: I, I think you said it perfectly right there. If, if, if I were breaking in new offensive linemen, I would not want to be breaking in tackles. I can tell you that right now. If you have a solid center, which Ben Ben will be a solid center, um, which can get the snap to the quarterback, and you have two tackles that can hold up against your more athletic rushers, there's multiple, multiple different things you can do um, to help out the guards. I mean, they're in between the two guys, so you can slide. You can do all kinds of different stuff, but – but I think if, if there were ever a, a spot to be breaking in, it guard, guards uh, probably the, the, rec- the, the place you would, you'd want to be doing it. So I think you nailed it there, and um, you can cover up a lot of stuff on the inside.
0: What is the best piece of advice you can give for a first-time starter? Once you finally have done your developing, you spent your years toiling in the weight room, in practices, now it's your time to step up. What's the advice in order to be good?
1: You have to want to be. You have to want to be good. You have to. You have to listen, and you have to understand that there's going to be ups and downs at O line. There's listen. O line is 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 the nature of the beast, man. You could literally block a guy all game, get beat twice for a sack, you know, whatever. And that's the only thing people are going to really remember of you. And I know that better than anybody. So you're going to have to. You're going to have to listen to the coach and do it exactly the way he says do it. And if they know that you're trying the technique. The way that they are they are teaching and trying it to your best ability, you have no other choice but to get better, and 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 it happens all the time. So, yeah, my my advice would be don't. If you lose one, instead, a lot of guys when they lose, they get down in the dumps rather than wanting to like come back and fight, and that's a big deal, man. If you have that mentality of hey, when I lose, I'm going to come back and battle, you're going to be you're going to start winning a lot more than than you ever thought about losing. So. That would be my advice for him is, is that mindset of, of being, being a good listener and a good learner and, um, and having that mindset of, hey, even if I lose, I don't care, I'm going to shake it, I'm going to come back the next play and I'm going I'm to fight.
0: Another thing we know is that at least in scrimmage situations, the offense has pretty much every single time gotten the better of the defense. It's a little too easy right now for the offense against the defense. So if you're an Ole Miss fan – How worried should you be? Because if you have success as an offense, that's good, but it also comes at the expense of your defense. How do you even gauge or evaluate where your units are based on scrimmages? Should they be worried then if it's a little too easy or if the offense is, more often than not, beating the defense pretty good?
1: Well, you got to be careful in scrimmages because you can't hit the quarterback. So, um, you know, it it, it could be a a number of things. You know, the the quarterback could have been a sack, could have been whatever – but um, yeah, I mean, our offense has a lot of talent. I mean, I I would just by looking at the roster, I haven't seen any practices or anything like that, or seen any at all. I would, you know, think our offense should be better than our defense, just just based off of um, you know the depth that we have on each side. So that's no surprise there. But at the same time, you can't hit quarterbacks. So you know, scrimmages for a defense can be a little bit a little bit tough at times. So. Um yeah I mean you'll see you'll you'll know right away if our offense was legit or not um, by what they do versus the other teams and you'll know right away if our defense was um you know legit as well when they start playing another team so I mean you got to think with our running with um, Plumlee in there for sure I mean it's he's going to he's going to mess up a lot of defenses so um yeah we'll see
0: the problem is I've heard Matt Corral has been completing deep passes like 40 yard passes every third play deep down the field to wide open wide receivers when, cause you've been in these situations before when after weeks of practicing scrimmaging, if you're an offense, do you realize we might have a problem defensively? Was there ever a time like that for you?
1: Um, yeah. I mean, okay, occasionally that um, is much easier. Like I said, it's much easier to tell during the games um, practice. I mean, everything's scripted. It's a, uh, um, you know, sometimes it's designed for for certain stuff, certain looks. But I think that you, you you can't judge it until you actually play the game. Um, but just in my honest opinion, I mean, and as I've read that, you know, that secondary's been hit with the virus a little bit too, so you don't know if that has anything to do with it or, you know, guys being over there new having to learn the scheme. So I mean, like, like I said, you'll be able to stack it once we're fully healthy and we take the field. I think you'll be a, you'll be able to judge it pretty quickly. That, that's usually when I could tell. I don't you watch that first couple games, you know, hey, we have some issues here. We got we got to share it up.
0: When you look at the schedule, it's ten games, all SEC schedule. A lot of people out there that are making predictions have Ole Miss at about four wins as the ceiling. What do you think the ceiling is for Ole Miss football? Um,
1: you know, obviously, you just—I you, don't think you know at this point because you don't know what other teams are going to roll out this roll out there this year. You know, so you know you got LSU that's lost quite a few people. You got Alabama that's going to lose quite a few people. So you—I mean, you just don't know. I mean, this season feels a lot like the year whenever. Um, Hugh Freeze came in that first year. We thought we were going to be really bad, and um, you know, we surprisingly went to a bowl game and, and had some decent success. So, I mean, I, I think you just don't know. I mean, I, I would like to see us, you know, really competitive and, and win every single game, but you know, that's not overly realistic. But at the same time, I feel like that's the mindset, mindset we should have. I mean, no one, no one's just a clear-cut favorite in SEC right now. Um, you know, just due to, due to people losing, you know, LSU lost a bunch of draft picks at Alabama and other teams as well. So, I mean, there's no reason we can't come in there and shock some people and compete with a, with a great scheme and, you know, great, great attitude. Another thing I think we know
0: is that Matt Corral is ahead in this quarterback battle. Currently you watched both of them last year. Which one do you think would almost be best served as um, having as its starting quarterback?
1: Um, you know, I, I wish you could combine both of them. I think Matt's got, got a little bit better arm, but with, um, the reason why I think Plumley is because I go back to whenever Auburn went to the national championship with Nick Marshall. Um, I mean, he's, when you have a guy that can run in college, I feel like that's so much more valuable. Um, just because if you, you know, it's just one of those things where it just creates such a mismatch problem, um, with the defense. So as soon as stuff breaks down, it's hard. It's, I feel like you can, you get so many more first downs doing it doing it on the ground You know, with, with the quarterback. So um, that, that's who I would like to see develop, I, th- I think, the upside there, if you can get the, you know, the kick and throw decent. And uh, with that kind of speed, I mean, he has next-level speed. So um, that, that's who I, I particularly like. But obviously I, I root for both guys because I'm a huge Ole Miss fan. So, um, yeah, whatever it takes to get Ole Miss a win.
0: A lot of people say, okay, if John Rice loses out, just move him to another position. You've played football a long time. Is that realistic?
1: No, it's not realistic at, at this moment in college. I mean, I could see after college if he were to try to make it to the pros. You know, I could see someone try to utilize that speed um, in some sort of way. But no, I mean, he, he's he's very, he's he's more than capable of playing quarterback. Instead of moving positions, let's let's develop him. Let's coach him. Like that's that that's what needs to be done. That's a overall thing, and I think we have the coaches that can do it here. Just knowing, you know. Coach Lindy and some of the other guys. I say we coach him up, must develop that arm. I mean, he's a, he's a freshman. It's not, it's not like he's a senior, um, you know, still struggling to throw. I mean, he's a true freshman coming out of freaking the high school the year before. So let's spend some time developing the kid and let's let's get him, get his arm up par. And then, I mean, if he's just serviceable in the passing game, the kid is, I mean, it would absolutely, I mean, it'd be un- unstoppable.
0: We'll get right back to Bradley Sowell, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, longtime NFL offensive lineman, and good friend of the program after I tell you briefly about Mosquito Marshals, another proud sponsor of Talk of Champions. Are bugs ruining your evenings outside? Do you want to reclaim your yard from those pesky bugs? Well, Mosquito Marshals is here to help, to let their customers and their families enjoy living outside again. At Mosquito Marshals, their top priority is to keep their customers bite-free by providing the best mosquito control services in the industry. The goal is simple, to protect their customers' homes and businesses from mosquitoes, fleas, ticks, and they stand by their results. If you're not 100% satisfied, they'll respray your yard for free. But how do I know this? Because I have first-hand experience. Mosquito marshals rode out to my house and sprayed my yard. Took them no time, and I haven't seen a mosquito since. And trust me, I'm just like you. In quarantine, all me and my daughters can do is go outside, ride a bike, play some ping-pong in the garage. Don't let a mosquito mess up your good time. No, schedule your appointment today. You can give them a call at 662-715-1818. That's 662-715-1818. Or visit Mosquito Marshals online at mosquitomarshals.com. Mosquito Marshals, serving Oxford, Baseville, Water Valley, New Albany, Pontotoc, wherever you are, they'll come to you. Mosquito Marshals. In a quarterback battle, doesn't it sometimes come down to what a coach values. Like, for example, if Lane Kiffin values the ability to push the ball down the field as a passer, well, obviously, Matt is going to have an advantage. But if it's just about the best guy and who can move the offense the best, and you look at the scrimmage stats, and yes, Matt is better, but then you got John Rice Plumley producing 240 all-purpose yards, you've experienced this. Houston Nutt, with the Zach Stout stuff and the Randall Mackey stuff, it all comes back to what do you value? David Cutcliffe valued a statuesque quarterback standing back there like Eli Manning. Hence why Robert Lane, Michael Spurlock, could never be his quarterback because he just didn't know how to tailor his offense to that quarterback. So he went with Ethan Flat, and it was a disaster. So does it come back, in your experience, in many ways to what a quarterback values? What a coach yeah, values, no, I, I mean. I, yeah,
1: coach, yeah no, no doubt, I think – in anything in football, it comes down to to the scheme and what fits the scheme. You you will, I mean, it's it's very common. It, it, if Corral may very well fit Lane's scheme to a T, and he made it like a totally different player. I mean, he may come out there and absolutely light it up and you know do great. And same thing with John. John Rice may not fit the scheme at all. I mean, he may not fit him at all. It may not look nearly as good because obviously with Rich Rod's scheme. He had the you know he he had the right and he ran the crap out of the ball, which made him look really good at times. So. It all comes down to the coaches and what they see See most valuable is, is what's going to make, um, you know, it's going to make these players look better or look worse. I mean, it happens all the time. It's no different than an O-lineman, no different than a linebacker. Any position in football, if you're put in a situations where your strengths are highlighted, you're going to look like a better player. It happens all the time in the NFL. It happens all the time all over football. Some guys are just in a great scheme that makes them look so much better. They go to a different team that doesn't use them. All of a sudden they're getting cut and everybody's like, hey, why is this really good player getting cut? Well, because he doesn't fit. He doesn't fit that scheme, so he doesn't look nearly as good as he looked in this other scheme. So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's very common.
0: You've obviously still got a lot of contacts in the NFL. Training camps are completely different this year. There are no preseason games. COVID, dealing with that. What have you heard as far as what is life in the NFL right now as they prepare for a season that's not too far away from opening up?
1: Yeah, I was just, I just talked to Bobby, uh, FaceTime Bobby Massey last night, just kind of catching up with him, seeing how everything was going, and he just said it's, it's just way different. I mean, it's it's, it's not, not like your typical camp. You know, it's not the same, like, hang, kind of hang out camaraderie kind of deal. So he just said it's just, you know, they had a scrimmage the other day with no fans. He said it felt it felt extremely weird. So he said they're all just trying to fill it out and see what happens, trying to try to follow all the rules. So, um, yeah, he said it's by far the, the most different um, environment he's been in.
0: In your opinion, if the season gets started, if they play it through, and there are no fans, from a player's perspective – what would that even be like? I know it's hard to gauge that because you've always played in front of fans, but what is that even going to be like as far as on the field? Because strategically, y'all call out different calls. Y'all make different signs and different things to try to get an advantage or to make an adjustment on the fly. How do you make that happen on the field if everybody can hear what everybody's saying?
1: Listen, I don't care what anybody says. The fans and the environment make the game what it is if it's not for the fans of the environment it's just a bunch of dudes out there playing a, a pickup game i mean it, it is what it is so i think if you look um you know the nfl is discussing you know, using crowd noise i think you have to just just from the from a competitive standpoint i mean is it going to be a quiet environment where you can hear everything that's being said out there call wise and everything i mean it would almost at that point be somewhat boring i mean without the i mean one of the coolest things in football is when somebody catches a deep ball or an interception, and the crowd goes crazy is the environment. So, so what happens now when a guy catches a ball down the field for a touchdown, it's just like this silent, like, yeah, man, kind of deal. Um, yeah. That, that, that's not what makes football. That's not what draws people to football. People what draws people to football is the environment and the, and the fun, the fun atmosphere. So yeah, they're going to have to do something about that. And, and I hope, you know, shortly we get a solution for this and can get fans in there.
0: So is big Dick Nick going to be the starter for your bears?
1: I don't know. I don't, I don't know. I, I try to. I try to get some um, some insight on that, and they they say both guys are doing doing really well, and it's it's a pretty even deal. So I'll be interested to see who um, who comes out on top on that one. I think I think that they got some decent options there to to complement that defense.
0: It's kind of sad and a bummer for those undrafted free agents, because I think some of them are going to get opportunities. But how do you stand out if you don't get preseason games? Like for example, Austin Eckler. Made it on the Chargers because of his last preseason game, and now look at him. But that doesn't happen if you don't have games. So, what is this environment like for undrafted free agents? What's the challenge they already face anyway, just to make the roster?
1: Yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough situation for them this year. I think teams are really going to like hone in on the guys they know are going to make the team just to make the season float this year. And, and what what they did that can, that can help is that they did extend the practice squad. I think to 16. So, what the practice squads are going to be this year? is going to be nothing more than an extension of a year-long tryout. So those undrafted guys, they'll, they'll be able to rotate guys through that practice squad, having six extra spots, and and kind of get, put them on a tryout basis. Now, they won't get to get in the game and do a preseason game, but they'll at least have extended opportunities to try out and, and be on the be on the team. So you'll, what you'll see is here after, after the, the, the roster is set, guys will start rotating in and out on these practice squads to – to get a look, which is unfortunate because, you know, some, some guys have made a career, I mean, my, myself, I mean, I had to do it through the undrafted route as well. So it's just one of those years that's unfortunate. You may not have some of the stories you've had from this year, but it, you know, it just is what it is at this point.
0: When did you know that you had a real shot of making it? And what was that conversation
1: like when they said, hey, Brad, you're a part of us? I think, um, you know, pretty early on when I got to Tampa, um, when I was trying out, I was, um, you know, went out there, kind of did my best had some, had some good adjustments and technique there early on. And I was you know pretty well informed that, Hey, you're going to be able to, you know, we, we think you're highly undervalued. We, we think you should have been a draft pick kind of deal, which, um, which I mean, I, I thought I should too, but we had a really bad year my our senior year. So that's, that's kind of the, that's kind of what happened. You know, Bobby Massey falls to the fourth round. He's now currently one of the best right tackles in the league. Brandon Bolden goes undrafted. He's been playing, you know, going on his ninth year. So, um, you yeah, know, sometimes we're on a bad team and it, um, you know, can kind of trickle down it make sure it's worse than what you are. So I, I thought early on I was going to have a good chance, and then I was very lucky to get with some really good coaching early on that kind of, like kind of really adjusted some of my techniques and, um, you know, basically used a lot of the talent that I had that I, you know, did, didn't really realize that I did. So I knew I was going to be able to stick around for quite a while after that. Um, then it just became a grind every year, you know, having to earn your spot, and, um, which I felt
0: very comfortable doing. Why were y'all so bad those last couple of Ole Miss? Teams under Houston Nutt. What went wrong?
1: I don't know. I mean, I think it was a combination of, of quite a few things. I mean, I, if you look at my my senior year, we had two redshirt seniors, me and um, Alex Washington. And um, anytime you're looking at a team and you and you you know you, you don't have your guys you started with, I mean, I, I think we were a little shorthanded there. And, um, you know, we were really young. If you look at that last year, we had a pretty young roster out there. and uh, you know, I just think it was a combination of a couple things and. Um, that 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 being that being the main thing just kind of shorthanded with older guys and leadership at that time
0: if this is it for you if you are retired if you don't get the call or you don't get an opportunity that really interests you all that much what will be your favorite memory from your career
1: um i think for me personally um i know this goes back quite a while but um, being a huge old miss fan of the mississippi guy whenever i was um caught that touchdown in the Egg Bowl. I mean, still, the, the, of all the stuff I've done in my career, caught the touchdown on Monday night or Sunday night football, whatever, that Egg Bowl means a lot to me, just just how much I love the state of Mississippi and, and being from Mississippi. You know, it's that game. I, I'm telling you, I've watched, you know, watched with the for years, you know, watched for years with family and you argued over the game and to go in that game and to have caught a touchdown in that game, That 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 just means a lot to me.
0: So even with the NFL stuff, it's still Ole Miss.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, I spent, you know, from the time, I, my dad probably bought my first ticket, season ticket when I was, you know, seven, eight years old. So, I mean, I, I didn't miss a game until I went to the NFL. And that's, I didn't go to many road games, but all the home games, that was all we lived for growing up. You know, me and my, me and my dad, and my little brother, we would go down, you know, soon as our games on Friday night or whatever. I mean, we were, we couldn't wait to, to leave as early as we could Saturday morning to go out to watch an Ole Miss game. And, um, I mean, that, that's all I ever did on the weekends in the fall. So, yeah, I mean, Ole Miss is something that I just, you know, I can I name players from years. I mean, it's just – that's just what I did as a kid.
0: If Ole Miss does get sports in this year, which one are you most looking forward to? I know the answer, but I'm going to ask you anyway.
1: Yeah, I got to see that baseball team, man. We got to yep. roll that pitch and rotation back. We got to roll that pitch and rotation back out there and let's go at it. I mean, I wish they would let us start 16 one again and just pick right back up where we left off. But – Unfortunately, that they won't do that. So, yeah, I'm I'm excited about the baseball team. Um, yeah, I'm have always I've always loved baseball. I mean, from standing back there in the in the left field by the trash can, we played Texas in that series. To I mean, I, man, I've been going for years. I just love um, you love almost baseball. So,
0: if you get to go, where are you going to sit?
1: Wherever wherever they let me, I don't care as long as they <laughs> get a, get a seat, seat to watch some games. So I bring yeah, that up be, because be, we all
0: remember the picture. When you're playing, I can't remember where you were. Maybe Arizona. And you're I was watching, in Arizona. At yeah, the time. yeah. And you're watching the Ole Miss baseball game on TV, and you are sitting on top of the island of your kitchen, as if you're in right field of Swayze. <laughs> and it went viral. Ole Miss viral. That's the most <laughs> Ole Miss I thing you could possibly yeah.
1: do. Well, I'm 320 pounds sitting on some granite. I'm sure my wife wasn't wasn't too happy about it. So. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, he's Bradley Sal, former Ole Miss offensive lineman, longtime NFL offensive mm-hmm. lineman, sometimes tight in. Thanks for doing this, man. I appreciate you.
1: Yeah, appreciate it, man. Talk to you later, man. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy,
0: and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health.